0: Hello and welcome to Thoughts on the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn. I am delighted to be joined, unfortunately, not by my very first guest on the podcast ever because that accolade goes to Paul John Dykes on the charity stream last week, but certainly the first guest that I've had on the platform specifically. Um, I'm joined by an old mate from the Axom days, uh, Alan Morrison. How are you doing, Alan? Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm good. And, uh, you know, as I say, happy to, to join i know you've set up this uh recently um and i was just so impressed i saw you i can't remember which platform it was saying i'm thinking of setting up a pod and then the next minute you were done one and i just like i thought that was brilliant like, sure. <laughs> you put me to shame in so many aspects of my life <laughs> you know I'll, i would have thought about it for months <laughs> before i did anything about it if i did anything about it at all so fair play to you
0: to many people before that i am um, i almost enjoy the the background part of it the editing and the technology and all that more than actually creating the podcast so it, that side of it um, came to me a little bit easier than mm-hmm. than talk about Celtic in some ways but it's it's good to be on and it's good to have guests like you on to to debate some issues rather than just talking into the void for an hour and um, so um thank you very much for joining me the the reason that I wanted to talk to you today and, and you got in touch with me um was because it was clear that um having listened to your appearance on the press box with, with Graeme Spears last week, for anybody who didn't listen, that's available on, on Graeme Spears' Patreon. Um you were you were invited onto that show to um to discuss, you know, your very widely shared um statistics and data on the anomaly that is Rangers uh, not having been awarded um Penalties for what I believe now is seventy one, possibly seventy two games at this point, because um, I know there's been another
1: another game <laughs> in between.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so be- before we get into the the nitty gritty of of the show and 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 how how it, um, how it unfolded, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about you know the, the fact that this has all come to the fore. I know it's something that you have been keeping track of very very diligently for a number of months now even going back as far as you know as early as you've started gathering these statistics but what do you make of you know the fact that the discussion is only now being held in the wider arena because of that 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 um article by richard gordon it really seemed to be his um sticking his head above the parapet that's brought this to the brought this to the fore
1: no, I think you're absolutely spot on, and and you know, well done to both Richard and Graham for uh, you know tackling a subject which is is diligently avoided by the majority of mainstream uh, media. So you know, kudos to them for that. I mean, I think it's got to the stage in terms of that particular one statistic that it's become so kind of uh, ridiculous, almost that it, you know, it, it warranted um pointing out really um i mean let, let me be clear from the start this isn't actually a statistic i was ever that interested in <laughs> i mean counting penalties is not something i'm really particularly uh, bothered about because it's it's just a single data point it, it doesn't really tell you anything um you know big clubs or very successful clubs should i say uh can often go on long runs without conceding a penalty so for example uh, I think Celtic, over the last, this decade, sorry, this century even, have, have had a couple of runs of nearly, you know, 50 or so games, something like that, of not conceding a penalty. Um, and, and, and other clubs in Europe, like Ajax, for example, have also. But again, again you know, and it is peaked to the extent that you would look at the context of those and say, well, the the, the, the stat in itself is not really very helpful. It doesn't tell you, a great deal, you need to really add the context to it. So, um and, you know, the Celtic one, I think it's around the two thousand six, two thousand seven time frame, it probably spanned more than one season, for example. You sort of think, yeah, well they didn't get any penalties and so forth. But um there was significantly fewer penalties awarded in those days. You know, the number of penalties that have been awarded since VAR was introduced has has gone up. It's almost almost uh, doubled actually the number of the total number of penalties. There's ninety two last year. In the SPFL Premier Division uh, in 2006-2007 season, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like it, it was it was it was around 40 or maybe even less than 40 penalties. So so and and then and then and then if you actually start introducing a wider data set to put the, the into context in terms of well, if you're looking at the awarding of penalties, you look at both sides of that equation. How many did you get? How many did you concede? And if you were to compare, for example. Uh, Celtic and Rangers around that 2006-2007 season um, I think Celtic although they didn't concede a penalty they only got awarded one <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and I think Rangers got awarded something like six and conceded two so you could argue from a, a penalty differential perspective Rangers were plus four and Celtic were plus one so, you, so you've got to put the context into all these things you've got to sort of um, really look at it a, a bit more holistically and even then as I say these you know that season that we're focusing on here as an example uh we're talking about six to seven penalties right that's an incredibly small sample so what are you what are you going to learn from that so i i wasn't specifically interested in that statistic in and of itself and when graham invited me onto his pod i i tried to make the point very quickly that i wasn't going to fixate on that particular stat and Graham kept trying to drag it back to that stat and only focus on that stat um, I wanted to talk about refereeing trends in general because that was far more interesting and insightful if you widen the data set and uh, and put more context around what it is that you're talking about so that was kind of the the background uh, to that but as I say the thing's taken a a life of its own um, in terms of that that particular penalty stat because it is just so outrageous i mean you know it's there's no other club in the top 20 leagues in europe that didn't concede a penalty last year um the the longest run that anyone can find that is equivalent is uh barcelona uh in the sort of 2016 that that sort of time frame uh which i think went up to 70 for 76 games something like that and they're under investigation for referee fixing because of that run so you know so, so again all context uh all important but the stat itself is probably not as meaningful as you know why you start widening it out look at other data points my, my position on this has always been the same if you're going to talk about penalties then i want to talk about not not how many not a count of how many did you get how many did, did, did the opposition get i want to know was it the right decision was it not the right decision that's the key question and that's the bit i tried to focus on as well but this is all about trying to build a holistic body of data to see you know are there any patterns of assistance in that data
0: i i think we'll we'll probably go into a little bit of the wider data further on in the discussion but going back to the the podcast and, and how it unfolded i think um, I think, like like you say, there were certain aspects of the conversation uh, on that pod that were, were brought back to to you sort of narrower points, and and perhaps to an extent that's justified. You can't cover absolutely everything in the space of an hour conversation, but one thing I did want to to ask you um whether whether you disagreed or or, or maybe didn't get the chance to fully elaborate on was. I very much get the impression that for anybody that doesn't know, um, Alan was joined, obviously, by Graham Spears, um, Matthew Lindsay from the Herald, and um, Brian, or better known as um, Harry Brady from from Celtic Down Under, uh, Celtic Down Under. That's that's my uh, habits, uh, Celtic Underground. Um, on on the pod, and and there was a, I felt there was a little bit of a division in the way that they presented. Brian and yourself, and the way that they presented your stances on things. Now they very much presented what Brian said as as exactly what he did say, which was that he believed uh, that subconscious bias was a major factor, and that he didn't believe in in conspiracy. They they although they continually said that they they didn't believe that that's what you were presenting as conspiracy. I did get the impression that that you were being painted as having a wider world view about the SFA and about, um, about the the motivations of the decisions and things like that. That it was more than subconscious bias. Do you think that was a fair characterization of what you were arguing about there?
1: No, well, I mean I think it's one of these things we can all have an opinion on, but the, you know my primary uh, remit here. And I suppose what I can hopefully bring to this is, you know, the ability to, uh, you know, a, a wide set of data, the vast majority of which anybody can collect themselves, it's all publicly available. Um, but the, you know, the, the analysis of, of that, uh, thinking about what, 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 you know, it's, I'm a Celtic fan, but trying to think of, you know, what are reasonable, fair, objective ways of looking at this. And it's really trying to. The primary objective here is you know we're sort of jumping ahead into into why is this happening? And I, but I come back to well, what's happening? Right. And and it's really establishing what is the problem? Is there a pattern of assistance? Um, and 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 does the data point to that pattern of assistance? It's really that's the piece that needs the focus. And then you know if if there's if there are patterns in the data, then. I imagine the next step in people's minds will be well well why is this happening, and what we're we going to do about it if if people agree that there are sort of patterns of assistance emerging in that data so but the primary focus really is on on that you know establishing that extent to which there is a problem so any any discussion about the whys and wherefores of it's it's because of this that and the other i think are you know interesting to to talk about but they're but they're they're not what I'm focusing on at this point in time. So I think I think, I, think, I think I think the other side of it is, I mean, so, so you, know, you know, personal opinion is that I think there's a little bit of disingenuousness going on in that Graham and, and Matthew both painted themselves as having no dogs in the fight. I mean, Graham has made no secret of the fact that he comes from a, a ranger supporting background and has been a ranger supporter. Um, he's kudos to him. He's one of the very few that calls out a lot of the, the shenanigans that goes on there. Um, and Matthew Lindsay, well, fair enough, you know. But I mean, I think if anyone has read Matthew's output over the over the long years, we would have probably had a bit of a splutter into their tea when they when they had it. So that was a little bit disingenuous. I think you know Harry and I were out there as being openly Celtic fans, so I think that was a little bit of uh, a little bit, yeah, maybe a little bit unfair, if you like. But but what tends to happen, Laura, is when you when you get into the subject, is you do see the same things happening in response and it's exactly really some of the techniques I suppose that that Matthew tried to employ which is that they, they, they immediately jump into oh you, you know you're just some crackpot conspiracy theorist and it's like well you're the one mentioning conspiracy theories I've, I've got no view on that and I've got you know no evidence of that that's just that's you introducing that and it's a way to sort of filter and dilute you know the message that's coming across. Um, the second thing is that he tried to do is you'll try and what I call old you'll try and old firm it, right? You'll try and say, well, well, you know, Celtic and Rangers, of course, they get all the big decisions. They're the biggest clubs and blah, blah, blah. And that's actually a really great point to raise because, you know, um as 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 the Rangers have worked their way into the top league and uh you know the league has become more of a two team league, then you do actually have two teams that are kind of, you know, equivalent uh, ish, certainly more so than the rest of the Scottish teams um to which you can kind of benchmark against each other so that's a really useful thing to do because you know what i guess what i'm saying um talking around the subject is you know over the last let's say three to four seasons where it has been a competitive league then you would expect that uh, with both of these sides being dominant teams against the rest of the sides that you'd expect to see the same kind of patterns of you know penalties awarded red cards awarded etc 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 so so in that sense it's a useful th- analytics um you know construct to have that benchmark but i think what what people sometimes do is just lazily throw it into oh well they're both big clubs therefore it's they're they're all just as bad as each other and and actually the data does not say that (laughs) quite 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 clearly actually so so yeah listen these were all things i expected to be fair the old firmism the the conspiracy trope the lazy you know and, and all that it's just what people fall back on when you introduce a subject they're not comfortable talking about
0: and I think I think, to be fair to Graham there was there was elements of um you know hypothetical questions being asked or rhetorical questions being asked with the phrase, Is this all just a big Masonic conspiracy thrown in and then and then retracting that and saying that's not what I'm saying." But we all know the psychology of of planting the seed of having said something, and there was a there was definitely an element of that having been used. But I think to be fair to Graham, he did on a couple of occasions sort of um, combat Matthew's um, approach of saying, "Is it not just this, or is it not just that?" And Graham, to be fair to him, did say on a couple of occasions, "You know, you're in danger of of looking very weak in comparison when somebody d- delivers." what he called a weight and a wealth of evidence, um as you did, um to to then come back with suppositions about about the about the nature of it. So I, I, I think that's fair. Um looking a little bit about before we we go a little bit into the wider data set that you talked about, I did see one question that I thought was fair um in the comments under the Patreon com uh, under the Patreon podcast. Um sort of looking for a little bit more information on you know the nature of how the data was collected how the how the referee was selected that you spoke about the the Yorkshire ref um what what he was aware of in terms of your motivations for this now I think personally that you have explained that in multiple places but I think you know for those at the back of the room what what was the nature of of how that came about the selection process how what was he aware of in terms of what you were trying to achieve
1: yeah no no that's that's that's, that's fair and as i say people who haven't followed this you know won't, won't be aware necessarily so that, that's reasonable not not that many people read my site um so listen just take a step back first is is, is that you know in terms of this analysis there are multiple pillars to it um and, and each may have a a, a different data source um for it so so uh, you know that that, and that needs to be kind of drawn out so the the exercise with a professional english-based referee who i called the yorkshire whistler um, that was my own initiative um i started it after the covid season when there were no fans and uh, you know celtic were were about the whole club was a basket case the league was lost by by many many points but nevertheless (laughs) there was a, it seemed to be a remarkable stream of you know penalties and positive decisions in my biased view um and so i, I again listen I, I wanted to in the nicest possible way eat my own dog food on this which is that i'm no different to any other fan right when i watch a game i think virtually every refereeing decision that goes against celtic is wrong and and vice versa and all that sort of thing you know um and most fans are like that to be fair and um so so it's no good me opining on decisions and saying, well, that one, that was wrong. Because I'm just biased. And hey, that and not only are I biased, like like the vast majority of football fans, I don't know the laws of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we should, you know, we should probably all be honest about that. And, and, and listen, no wonder, because if you've ever read them, <laughs> they're huge and they go like on and on and on forever. And there's so many clauses and sub clauses within each of the laws. And, oh, it's just, it's difficult, right? It's actually quite a hard thing to do. So in my view was, the, po- the season following then, when a- when Ange joined, um, was the first season for, I can't remember how long, a long time anyway, that the Scottish champions were going to get direct entry into the Champions League group stages, which was going to deliver a minimum bounty of about £30 million, which in the context of Scottish football is a huge amount of money. It's the only, you know, because obviously playing, uh, player selling is a very, um, you know, uh, random kind of thing, and we all want to be able to say we've got a good trading model. But you know, a, 20, a Jota sale or a Tierney sale doesn't happen every season, much as you might want it to, right? Whereas, if you can get into the Champions League money, it's there's a guaranteed amount of money you can get hold of, and it's it's kind of game changing in a Scottish context. When by winning the league, you get about three and a half million quid. Thirty million quid is enormous. I know it's nothing to an English club, but it's huge for a Scottish club. So, given what I've seen in the COVID season. And knowing that under Gerard, um, this um, this Rangers team, or was it Van Bronckhorst by that time, this this uh, Rangers team were going to be, you know, there's going to probably be a genuine uh, challenge. I wanted to see, you you know, if, you know, to what extent there was any, you know, again pattern of assistance through refereeing decisions in games but i knew that i wasn't the person to make that judgment because i was biased and don't know the laws so long story short is what what i did was uh, you know i asked an expert um I, you know I, I live in sheffield uh, south yorkshire um I, I you know i've got football my, i've been involved in local you know grassroots football for forever um i know a lot of people and, and i asked around a few kind of key people do you know any professional referees um who might be interested in a project uh, and, and i got given a name i contacted this individual and all i said was um would you be willing first of all i asked him do you follow scottish football <laughs> and he said not really i might watch i might watch the old firm derby on telly he says but other than that got no interest sheffield wednesday fan teasing ticket older and, that, and that's that's what he only cares about really um i said you would you be willing to to participate in a in a in a in a exercise whereby every week where there are big calls now this is you know big calls what do we mean by that we mean you know penalties given not given red cards given not given goals allowed disallowed so so big kind of game-changing uh decisions because you know is a low scoring sport a penalty has a massive impact on a game of football probably disproportionate to a lot of the fouls that are committed frankly you know uh, that's another that's another topic for another day um uh, and and so uh, you know in terms of how do how do we find those decisions um really i took the view that if ever there's a contentious decision involving a celtic or 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 the rangers you can guarantee on social media it will be all over the place, and loads of people will be talking about it, and et cetera. So I thought, right? I watch Celtic games, obviously, so I'll pick up anything either plus or minus for or against Celtic from watching those games, and my you know, uh, and, and then obviously I'll I'll look I'll watch the highlights for both teams on either sports scene or or the SPFL on YouTube, a highlights package as well, from the match reports on the BBC, and from social media garner a sense of what were the big calls in that game package them up and, and, and the information that i give is the 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 teams involved uh the the minute in the game a, a brief description of the incident as it, factual as i can like you know for example uh kyogo goes down in the box that's it right? and then a, a link to the video with a link to you know it's it's this video and it's three minutes in can you have a look at that? And all I asked of him was, I just want you to look at decisions individually on their own merit and just come back to me with, do you think the referee got it right? If they didn't, you know, could you explain why they didn't get it right? And that was it. And that, that was literally the brief. And that is the brief that we've, we've stuck to. I, I said to him, um, on um, no dissent policy, I I you know, get back you know back and forward with you uh, that's not fair on you um I do go back sometimes with clarifications on things I don't understand about the laws of the game or what have you but I don't sort of say oh come on mate that's you know, <laughs> like like as if we're in the pub because I don't I've never met the guy we've only ever communicated on, uh, on um to him so we, we we communicate by email I send him a link and, and a brief one liner about each incident and he comes back with an absolutely Brilliant uh, summary of explaining uh, the, the the incidents, and and, he, and to me he goes way over and beyond the level of detail he provides in terms of providing the context, the relevant law, um, comments on the referee's positioning, what the referee might have seen based on where where the referee was, um, um, and so on and so forth. And then R was laxity, and then it was all about well things that get referred and not referred, and he was trying to help me explain. This is what well. so this guy's an active professional uh, referee. Obviously, he's a, he's a, he's an expert. Um, no skin in the the Glasgow football dogfight, um, and he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, no no money changes hands. I've, you know, in, at the beginning of each season, I go, "Will you do it again?" And he goes, "Yeah." He seems to enjoy it, so uh, that's fine. That's great. I'm I'm so grateful because, as I say, I'm not the person to do it you know, a Rangers fan wouldn't be the person to do it, a Hearts fan wouldn't be the person to do it. It needs to be somebody removed from the heat of Scottish uh, Scottish football. And listen, the, the the all I would say to people is go on my site and read what he puts under each decision and then come back to me and argue that he's in any way compromised or biased and and, and I'll just there's no evidence of that at all. I think any reasonable person would see that this guy is uh is is coming at it from a completely Kind of neutral perspective. I need to tell you, and you know what, the comments on the back of my site—he infuriates everybody, which tells me he's doing a good job. Celtic fans, you know, equally, in more so, probably. Uh, so, 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 listen. What what that Yorkshire Whistler piece is about was about ask, answering the question that I posed to you earlier, which is, you know, let's not count penalties. Let's ask the question: How many penalties should there have been? Were the penalty decisions correct, or were they not correct? so that that's that's the first that's the first part of it penalties are only one aspect of it as i say game changing decisions come in many forms you know should that have been uh, you know should that have been a red card or not a red card etc should that goal have been allowed or disallowed etc um all of those things are in are in the mix in terms of what what he 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 looks at um and then the other aspect the bit that i do my bit is once i have a decision and it's his decision I then say, right, if it's a wrong decision, I'll look at, okay, um, well, let me, yeah, let me, you know, let's say the game is, is 1-1 in the 90th minute. Um, somebody goes over in the box and then uh, a penalty is uh, not awarded and it should have been, right? Now, clearly if that penalty had been scored in the 90th minute of the game with the score 1-1, it would have had a massive difference on the number, on on the, on the outcome of the game, right? So. That is um, represented by uh, an expected points model, which very simply says, you know, based on the time in the match and the score at that time, how many points does that goal add to a team's expected points? If you're, if you're 1-1 in the 90th minute, then the expected points at that time for both teams is roughly one, (laughs) because obviously, you know, it's only about a minute to go. And both teams have got one point, slightly more for a home team, slightly less for an away team. Um, If the penalty's scored, it it, it completely flips that by quite a big number. Or the loss that you've suffered or the benefit you've been given, if you've you've had a penalty given to you and and you scored it and it shouldn't have been a penalty, you've, you've, you've benefited by that number of expected points. If you didn't get the penalty and you should have done, you've lost that number of expected points, yeah? Another example would be, you're five nil up you get a penalty in the last minute shouldn't have been given wrong call uh and you win six nil yeah yeah the expected points impact of that penalty is tiny it's like almost like nothing right it, it didn't alter the game in any meaningful way right a, 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 you know sixth goal in the 90th minute when you're already five nil up it's neither here nor there so 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 by using that construct you could work out what the impact is so it's not just is it the right wrong decision? Expert opinion. Somebody who knows the laws of the game. No skin in the Scottish game. Um, was it the right decision? Not the right decision. And then my bit is okay. Given that decision, what was the impact of that?
0: And I think you. I think you. You noted that in the in the podcast with Graham. I think you. Forgive me if I'm quoting your own facts at you incorrectly here. But I think to that end, you suggested that. they're using your constructs, that there was a suggestion that. Rangers benefit to something like the tune of 26 points whereas um Celtic did to the tune of 5 for the period that you were looking at so a kind of 5x increase in benefit to Rangers for for the the number of penalties that they were awarded or or for the significance of the penalties that they were awarded I should say Laura, um, sorry. Uh, sorry, I... sorry,
1: sorry, sorry, yeah. because uh, accuracy is important here. So um, you're right; those numbers related to a different exercise, which I can also describe for you. Which is which is a simple exercise that anybody can do. Um, it isn't Celtic data; it's it's just public data using the same construct of of expected points, though. Um, no, the, the the difference, and this has been the Yorkshire Whistle has been going for sort of two and a half seasons. Um, last season um you know the scores on the board were that um that, that rangers probably had about 4.39 i think this is an estimate right and it's a it's a it's a model okay so you, you get you know you know it's not you know you're, you're going to get points you know fractions of a point as it were so it's something like 4.39 points that that rangers had more than they'd have expected celtic had about 3.5 less so if you add that together it's about eight eight points. Now, eight points in the context of a tight title race um, is huge, right? Now this doesn't equate directly to eight points, it's an estimate, but it's around about, based on the information, based on the model, based on the information that we have, it's around about eight points of, of an advantage uh, to Rangers. And if we look at the season before that, so the 21-22 the, um, the uh, season, um, just bear with me it was slightly less it was plus 1.47 for rangers minus 2.38 for celtic so around four so so over two seasons it was about 12 roughly approximately it's an approximation it was about 12 points that um that's you know the rangers had as an advantage based on incorrect calls as judged by the same independent person looking And that's important because i mean a lot of scottish journalists will ask scottish referees you know on a monday morning and write articles about it but a they ask scottish referees and and two the you know you ask different referees you're gonna get a different interpretation so this is the same it's very important you've got that consistency i do want to address one one part of this that is you know again i come back to all models are, are imperfect right all Without exception, um, no model is 100% uh, predictive or uh, 100% uh, precise. You know, it, it's you, you do the best that you can. So, the the expected points impact of penalties, I'm kind of okay with. It's it's a it's a reasonably good robust method. The impact of sendings off is a little bit um less uh, precise. I would say it's a bit more of a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut, really. Um, basically, because I didn't, ha- I don't have a model. Or the data to create a model for it. So I went off an article that estimated that um, the imp- in broad terms, I think they were looking at English football, but the bro- in broad terms, the impact of a sending off is minus eighty, minus point eight six points if you're the home team, and minus three point five if waiting, cause you're waiting, because you're, you're you're more likely to win as the home team anyway. So now, when you apply that to sendings off, that can ha- potentially have some. Um, probably uh, inaccurate or uh, outcomes in the sense that, for example, there was a good example of that where, you know, I think, you know, Connor Goldson should have been sent off at Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago. It was in the 90th minute of the game. So the numbers I've used are an average. The actual impact of being sent off in the 90th minute should have been less than that average, right? So, 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 so that's, that's definitely a good point to raise, but what I have done, because I'm a very, I'm very aware of this is I've been through all the matches, where there is a sending off, that the Yorkshire Whistler has looked at, and an impact has been calculated, uh, and I think it's broadly 50-50. I think there was three games where probably Rangers should have had more points, and three games where probably Celtic should have had more, uh, you know, more points, etc. So, so it kind of it kind of broadly netted out. Um, so, you know, listen, it's not it's not perfect in that sense. Absolutely accept that, but uh, I think the uh, the inherent Uh, weaknesses in the model seem to not have disproportionately um, penalized one team or the other
0: yeah no I I want to thank you for for insisting that we be accurate about this because like you say that is that is the most important thing overall when you're dealing with um uh, with something like statistics where where it's whatever point you're trying to make or whatever data you're trying to Provide for other people to draw their own conclusions. From the important thing is that it's accurate to allow them to make what they consider to be an accurate uh, sum summation of of what they're looking at. So I appreciate that. It, looking at the wider discussion, you know, it, it was mentioned in 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 Graham's podcast, and it's something that has been a feature of of the discussion afterwards. It's certainly been a feature of you know any time I've appeared on a podcast with you that i can remember where you've presented data you, you know people say oh, stats show what they need to show or what they you want them to show and stats stats only tell so much of the story we all know the the tropes and things like that what what is your response to people that say that considering you are somebody who um i would say places a lot of stock in 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 the data and what it can show
1: listen you, you have to be cognizant of that i mean um in any in, in any sort of uh hypothesis or discussion that you're you're trying to have whether it's you know is it better to have obada or forest on the right wing for example right you know there's, there's going to be um the, the data really is is kind of 10 percent of it and then the the analysis and then the the communicate and the, you know, the formulating of uh, uh uh the case for and against. Uh, and then, and then the communication of that is really, is really the hard work, if you like. Um, you know, my, my, I I spend hours of my life doing this because I love Celtic and uh, and I enjoy doing it. Obviously, I'd be mad otherwise. So when I when I um, look at a debate like you know, who's better on the right wing, Abada or Forrest, I'm genuinely curious as to the outcome. And much as I much as I might have different personal feelings about each player, I like to think that I'll. You know, present the the pros and cons for both players uh, equally, give, given the data. But that's not for me to say. That's for others to judge, uh, looking at my articles and 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 listening to my podcasts. I, I'm sure I will a make mistakes and b um, you know I do I do struggle to hide my Matt O'Reilly <laughs> love at times. I'd, I'll absolutely uh, admit that. So you know, of course, that all that all comes into it. And as I said. Um, on this on this particular topic, you know, I'm a Celtic fan. If you asked me to referee a Celtic game, I would be I wouldn't be unconsciously biased. I would be biased. You know, it's just, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. And I think most fans and most clubs would probably be the same. So what I guess what I'm saying is, with this analysis, is looking at the different pillars of it. You know, is it reasonable? Is it fair? Um, you know, is there anything in it? that looks like it's kind of, um, you know, skewed in any way. And that's, that is That is always a fair challenge. Um, so for example, you know, the, I think, I think let's take the Yorkshire Whistler example, is asking uh, a neutral referee to opine on whether key decisions in Scottish football matches were right or wrong and to give the reasoning for that, is that a fair methodology? I would say on the face of it, it is. The, the evidence for it that you can read with your own eyes is on my site. Nobody has ever come, in fact, it's Celtic fans that come, usually come back to me and say, oh, why is he, why Why did he not, uh, all this sort of thing? So, you know, the evidence is there. Again, not for me to say, really. I I, I certainly have had very little challenge. In regard. It's mainly a challenge of that decision. But again, that's why I look at this as trends over a number of years. You cannot discern patterns unless you look at data over a number of years. One of the other... Um, Problems that you get into online when you start debating decisions uh, is two things. One is you get down, you go down the rabbit hole of looking at individual decisions, and to be honest with you, that's fruitless, right? It's utterly fruitless because there's always another example. There's always a different. There's always another example where it went this way and it went that way. And it's just so you look at patterns over a period of time. And then the other thing that that, that can happen and is with random other stats that got anything to do with the, the, the framework that you've just you know patiently explained um and start throwing other stuff and going yeah but what about this and it's like well yeah there's always other data but you know i guess what i'm trying to, to say is that this is a framework of hopefully kind of you know fair uh, analysis delivered by by myself as a celtic fan absolutely accept that but you know for example is it reasonable to take the expected points model and apply it to actual penalties and red cards in Celtic and Rangers games. So there's no opinion in this at all. Right. The the model is there. I've used it for years just to um, because I give a, every time Celtic score a goal or the opponent score a goal, every goal gets an expected points value to see, you know, who's who's, who's scoring the most impactful goals, for example, is a, is a really nice, nice kind of stat for that. And it, you also get to see, you know, what's the most impactful goal of the season, et cetera, and all that sort of thing. you know, yeah, yeah, all, all that, right? So it's something I've collected and used for years. I've shared the methodology. I've shared the workings behind it, et cetera. Is using that expected goals methodology, which isn't mine, it was developed by American Football Analysis Site, and applying it to what was factually penalties awarded and red cards awarded not what should have been what was actually awarded and and the only facts you're looking at are the time of the game that it was that it happened in and the score at the time in that game right these are all matters of public record you can go to any site and find this right so that that's that it was that analysis that gave the result that you um, that you, uh, you 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 spoke about earlier, Laura. Where if 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 you look at from the twenty twenty one season onwards, and look at actual actual penalties, actual red cards for and against Celtic and Rangers, what was the impact of those decisions? Rangers benefited by about twenty five, twenty six expected points. Celtic by around five. Five times. A, to me, I don't. You know, there might be a logical explanation from that, for that, but I don't know what it is. So I think. You know is that a pattern of assistance i don't know that in and of itself may not be so that's why i'm that's why there's many many pillars to this you know let's look at let's look at uh you know explain the yorkshire whistle let's look at actual awards and apply them through a third party model let's look at um the the trend in awarding uh free kicks and uh cards because again those are matters of public record these are facts there's no kind of oh you know um I'm only going to look at these ones that sell you know, in these games because that's, that's what Celtic did, you know, did quite well in those games, etc. None of that. It's like this is the time period. These are the games. It's the same for both sides. This is the rationale. This is the data. It's all public. And then this is the, the, the model that we're going to use, which again is public. So listen, you know, the interpretation of it um, obviously you know, goes filtered through my head. But again, I'm trying to ask, uh, answer a question. Here. Is there a problem? Is there a pattern of assistance? and and really by presenting this data gathered in the way that i've described that's what i'm hoping you know we will be able to have a, a fair you know a good faith conversation about
0: i think that's a i think that's a fair point that you make i think um, any slight misinterpretation of any part of the data or as i have done any any conflating one piece of data with another without looking at the framework through which the piece you're trying to quote was made You can end up comparing apples and oranges, obviously, and then and then you 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 can't make a point with anything that you've you've gathered. So, like you say, the the importance of knowing the source of that data is as important as the as the stat that you're trying to quote there, which I think is fair. Um, Before we before we close out the conversation in terms of um what what the future looks like and where this goes, one thing I did want to ask was um Graham and his podcast, you know at one point suggested, I think he was challenging Matthew Lindsay, the Herald at one point, and sort of saying, well, if you don't think that it's worth questioning now, when do you think it's worth questioning? If we're at 70-odd games without a Rangers penalty, then at what point is it 100 games? Is it 120 games? When do you start suggesting that there is an issue? Do Do you think such a... Do you think such a threshold exists? If it does, ha- have we already majorly passed it? You know, wh- what do you make of that as a kind of conversation? I, I-, I don't remember a- an answer coming out of that particular posed question, but it was. I was interested to get your thoughts on it.
1: So, I mean, again, listen, as far as I'm concerned, the, 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 the penalty count, or and it's a partial penalty count, it's only penalties against Rangers, It's a very partial and specific piece of data. um, To me, that's been useful as a conversation starter, but it isn't the basis for analysis. So um, it's just, it opens the door for analysis. And and Graham kept bringing it back to that. uh, And like you say, because bear in mind as well, at some point, (laughs) he says, looking to camera nervously, at some point, they may well concede a penalty. And at that point, that count goes back to zero. And Matthew Lindsay on the podcast, very quietly, said an incredible thing which i don't think many people picked up on which was um oh i'll, I'll bet all the referees are secretly hoping that rangers concede a penalty soon so we you know, it goes to zero we can all just forget about it and move on it's an incredible statement somebody just does not want to to, to face up or deal with what might be un, 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 under all of this um and, he, and also uh spectacularly he's wrong because when the penalty count and if when the penalty count goes back to zero, it actually doesn't change anything, right? It just means that the penalty count zero, but the trend and the pattern remains. It becomes one penalty in a hundred or one penalty in. I mean, you know, they, they had an, they had another run of forty four games before that, you know, as well. Which those two runs are are, are remarkable t- t- together, probably. So, so listen, that, that was uh, quite. from from Matthew but it it really changes nothing it changes nothing when it goes back to zero this is about looking at patterns uh, and is there a pattern of assistance it means you need to look at multiple data points not just one penalty count or let's only look at red cards against Celtic at Celtic Park between this month and that month which is what people do they'll they'll say yeah but Celtic didn't concede a penalty at home between this month and that month in that year it's like what's that got to do with it it's like you know, you've got to place it in context, and you've got to place it within a, a framework that's consistent in terms of you know the dates that the dates that you're selecting. And again, let me reinforce: I'm primarily looking at from the 2021 season onwards because um, because of the really because of the the severity, if you like, uh, or the import, should I say, of what was at stake in those title years. Right. I, that's one reason. The second reason is because, frankly, before that rangers were rubbish (laughs) there was there wasn't a title it would be like comparing celtic with hearts now it would be pointless right but between between by 2021 you know the teams were both competitive with each other and in 2021 obviously 10 in a row was up for grabs hugely psychologically important milestone in, in the history of scottish football and then in this three seasons since then it's been champions league money guaranteed for the winner that's a huge prize at the end of the season and so, and and actually, funnily enough, it's only a coincidence. But that's when the data started to flip on the impact of red cards and penalties. It started to flip at the beginning of the 2021 season, from from being not really much of a pattern to being quite a, uh, uh, you know, my opinion, a, a strong pattern of assistance to to one club. However, let's not look at that in isolation. Let's put that with other data, similarly, uh, similarly frameworked consistent in in how it's uh source, consistent in its time frames, consistent in the scope with the methodology explained, etc. And then let's look at it. Because the thing the other thing that um that Spears and 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 Lindsay kind of made the mistake, really the major mistake, and it probably maybe it wasn't a mistake, maybe it was deliberate, again I come back to this kind of old firming of, of this. This isn't about Celtic and Rangers, this is about the SFA. It's all about the SFA the way that they manage the refereeing service within that and 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 that is what is under scrutiny here yeah it just so happens that celtic rangers are the two clubs competing for the title that are you know in some ways very close to each other versus the other clubs and therefore you'd expect there to be some similarity in the comparison when you compare similar uh, data points but it's, it's it's hilarious to me that some some rangers fans jump all over this in in defense of the SFA who they sing about quite a lot actually and not in not very sort of polite terms this isn't about them it's about the SFA.
0: Yeah and you you said exactly that in your your own blog following up um, your appearance on the podcast which I would encourage anybody to to go and read and will be uh, linked in the description of this video. Um, Looking at you know, drawing some conclusions from that and maybe talking a little bit, you know, we're not going to get an answer sitting here talking to each other about what the future holds or how you sort this. But I I, I know another comment that you made on your blog, which I'm just going to read out here, and it says, all football fans in Scotland should be interested in whether there are issues with officiating as it probably impacts their team too. It it shouldn't go unacknowledged that... We're sitting here essentially because of an article uh, published by Richard Gordon, a, a, a noted Aberdeen fan, despite his um, professional um, capacity with the BBC. Matthew Lindsay, the day after um, uh, the or, or the day of the podcast airing, wrote an article in which a Dundee player. Suggested that there might be some bias associated with Rangers um, getting a penalty. Uh, you, you know that this isn't a this isn't a discussion or a conversation that should only interest or only involves Celtic supporters. Um, it, it should involve everybody in Scottish football, as you say, and, and and I think that's what we need to remember. Where where do you think the current situation, if it continues? Like you say, it's not going to invalidate any um, data that's already gathered. If we get a penalty on the thirtieth of December, as 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 Harry Brady uh, suggested, <laughs> might be the case. It'll be interesting to to see if that does happen. But where do you think we go from here in terms of you know the status quo may remain for a number of months or or, or years to come. Is is there any way of of either validating the data that you've gathered or or seeing a change to the process or is it so entrenched and are we so mired in what what is currently at the top of our game that there's that there's little we can do where, where do you stand on that so i think in terms of you know what
1: happens next in terms of what i can control is that i know that uh you know and what i want to do is to you know more formally publish uh the various strands of analysis that make up this piece um and i'm thinking about that because you know I want to be quite open and transparent about the methodology i want to be open and transparent about the limitations of of parts of it etc uh to, to be trying to be, be, be as fair and transparent as possible um, I don't want the best mechanism for doing that is which is what i'm thinking about um and then i don't know what you know it was great that you know graham spears picked up on this topic he may pick up on it again because what as i say what i think what i hope it will will do is at least you know generate a conversation is there a problem is there a pattern of assistance here and because the answers to these questions are are important and if the answer is yes uh, uh, you know i say the answers if you know if the general consensus seems to be yes then then i think it needs to be picked up uh, and and the, you know whether it's the clubs or whoever um, you know, need to need to need to run with it because, you know, this, as I, as you say, this potentially impacts uh, the way that refereeing services are are organised, uh, the way that they're ran, etc. Um, you know, the SFA has sole control over the recruitment, the the training, the assignment, the 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 performance assessment, the the the, the promotion recommendations, the who gets to get go to the lucrative. US. Lucrative International Games, all that, it's all contained within this, this sort of SFA little little bubble. Um, you know, understanding that, as a, which is just one example of having an independent um, you know, ref, professional refereeing service that, that is really more of a service model to the professional league uh, and therefore, I don't know, but I presume that comes with You know contractual agreements on terms of things like service levels, uh, reporting, transparency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff, right? Which we don't we don't tend to have in Scotland. So, you know, I I would hope that it would it it would maybe engender those types of conversations. You know, the question of if if there is a pattern of assistance. You know, why is that happening? You know, that's probably, to be honest with you, one for the anthropologists, the sociologists, the historians uh, to have a go at. You know, I've for my part i've 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 worked in large multinational corporations for for most of my working life so i've received an awful lot of tra- training things like cultural you know sort of cultural awareness training all that sort of thing i would imagine you would want to look at things like you know um unconscious bias is a is a is something that we all possess how is that dealt with in the context of refereeing what is the training for it is it effective how do they measure whether it's effective or not um most 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 most, you know organizational studies of people look at things like you know you know it comes down to you know people are motivated by fear or greed right so what what are the how how, how how are the referees incentivized what what does good performance lead to? What is good, how, how is good performance even defined? What does poor performance look like? How is that, um, how, is, how is that manifest in terms of outcomes for the reference? All these things I would imagine would be areas that would be worth looking at. But as I say, my job here isn't, isn't that, isn't to write a, a sociological thesis on the, um, the SFA. Uh, there are people far better qualified than me to do that. It's really to look at the data. Is there a problem? Is there a pattern of assistance?
0: yeah and I think I think you've gone some way to 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 showing that there there just might be and I think that we need to um just remain aware of of I, I, and as you've said to me numerous times you know always always be questioning always be always be um not necessarily suspicious I wouldn't say that that's a fair term but al- always cool. be aware that uh hmm. yeah yeah just just be curious and 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 don't always take everything that's presented to you at face value, do your own research, which I, which I highly, highly agree with. Um, Alan, I want to, I want to thank you for sparing the time today to come on the show. Um, I hope um, people who've listened to this have a little bit better understanding of, of Alan's motivations for sharing the data that he does and the methods that he uses to share that data. I think um I speak for most of the people watching this when I say that I think you, you do so in a very level-headed and and, and fair manner and I think it makes for makes for great debate even with people who are you know talking from from an opposing viewpoint and I think that's a rarity in in the world of scottish football there's there's far too much um screeching uh some some of it contributed towards by myself but um that's that's the nature of being a football fan i suppose um for anybody watching obviously don't forget to to like and subscribe um if you've enjoyed this today i'm hoping to do much more of this kind of content going forward alan was was my guinea pig today but i, I very much enjoyed um poking and prodding him for a few answers. Um, uh, uh, you can catch up with Alan on the Huddle Breakdown, which he appears on regularly on A Celtic State of Mind or on his own channels on Twitter and on his own blog um, at Celtic by Numbers. Alan, thanks very much for joining me today.
1: you thanks. thanks for having me on. As I say, I think one, one of the things that is, you know, you, you, there's not many things that you would say about all Celtic fans, but I think being sceptical is probably one, one of the things that... that <laughs> That uh, many many Celtic fans have. So uh, yeah, always be sceptical. But no, thank you. Listen, I wish you well with the the channel and uh, reiterate to people, please, please do uh, follow Laura because it's always uh, always a good debate. And I'm looking forward to coming on and having a good Dyson Maida conversation.
0: Oh, listen, listen, <laughs> I, I I will I'll see how this goes down before we do that. I think. <laughs> Thanks very much, everybody. See you soon.